is WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with global soul. The viewpoints expressed in the following program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its license holder, or its staff. You're listening to Objective Elective with Ann Dargy. I discuss elective topics from an objective logic every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Many of us would be surprised to know how our money is being supported by modern-day slavery, from the coffee that is harvested by child slaves in Africa to the clothes that are created by slave labor in India. Here to help educate us, she's an attorney, activist, and founder of the Red Movement. Please welcome Shadan Capri. Hi, Shadan. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. What is the Red Movement for people who have never heard of it? That's a great question. So the Red Movement is a social justice and environmental justice movement that helps people understand their role in fighting these problems. Hmm. How did it start? It started, it, it started about, I would say, over five years ago, I was doing research um, about these issues. This is before, you know, George Floyd go global protests. Mm-hmm. And I realized that these are really serious issues that we're facing. And, and I couldn't find a book that really dealt with solutions. Most of the books that I was reading just um, expressed what the issue is and how the problem's getting bigger. And so I wanted to to create a movement, to start something that would help people focus on the solution and not just the problems. Oh, I like that, focusing on the solutions. And a lot of people right now are wondering what they are. So, Right, so, and, and, and that's a great question. So the Red Movement gives us solutions, and the solutions have to do with the average person um, being able to incorporate everyday things into their daily lives. A lot of people don't realize that their greatest power is in their consumerism. It's where their money goes. And that's a very powerful um, action that any of us can take. And oftentimes we just, you know, we buy things and we don't even think about it. But if you think about it within a week, within a month, within a lifetime, that is a huge purchasing power that each of us has. And so what the Red Movement does is it helps connect the dots in the sense that slave labor, forced labor, child labor touch many industries from diamonds to clothes to toys. Mm. Um, it touches electronics, computers, and people have been completely unaware that their hard-earned money is going to support this type of exploitation, both human rights and environmental. And so what the Red Movement does is it sort of unveils that cloak of secrecy so that people can finally see that when you buy something, there's greater consequences to that. A lot of us think, oh, I'm just going to get this t-shirt or I'm going to get, you know, this this box of chocolates, not realizing that it has a ripple effect. And when you compound that over a year, 10 years, a lifetime, it can actually create a lot of um, change. So people are talking about different ways to help the world. And one of the things you said was t-shirt. And I, I, some of the arguments have been, if we buy fast fashion, it will exploit people overseas but if we thrift, then we're kind of taking away clothes from people who really do need it. 
and if we buy American clothes, then we end up spending more of our money. So what is the solution? Because we all need clothes. It's a necessity. Absolutely. Absolutely. We all need clothes. And the really great thing about this movement is um, it talks about these new companies that have come up that are all about leaving um, a zero carbon footprint or all about making sure that their items are created in a way that doesn't exploit people across the world. And so uh, part of the thing I do in my book is I have a, a whole chapter on solutions where I give you the names of these companies and I tell you exactly what they're doing in terms of their mission statement to try to make a difference. And it's, it's once I started doing the research, I was blown away by some of these companies. I mean, some of the work is amazing. And I think most of us, when we think of shopping, we think of the big box, you know, those retail stores, yeah. the big ones, not realizing that because of the internet, we have essentially so much at our disposal and we can support companies, corporations that are actually doing good in this world. And that's part of their mission statement to make sure that not only is the environment not destroyed or damaged, but also that people aren't exploited. And so the t-shirt incident is something I, I come back to a lot because it's, it's probably the most, it's the one we can all, you know, understand because when you buy a t-shirt, the problem with the fast fashion, and I'm sure you know this, is that oftentimes the quality comes into question, mm -hmm. um, not just the way it's made, but the quality of how it's made. But what people don't understand is when you buy a t-shirt, let's say that's $7 or $5 or even $8, now the quality of that t-shirt is not that great. So you will most likely end up buying more t-shirts in the same year because it's not a very good quality t-shirt. Whereas if you just buy one t-shirt that's good quality that you know is from a good company, it's less likely you're going to buy more t-shirts because you're going to have one good one that you can use consistently. And that's really what the movement is about. It's about being more conscious with our shopping. It's about being more conscious with our life and living authentically. And I think when people read the book or when they learn about the movement and they connect it with their own lives, there's a bit of a ability to sort of gain some power here because it puts the power back into the consumer's hands, not in the corporation's. Are there any of these companies that are helping us with this carbon footprint that we would know? Like, um... Well, unfortunately, they're pretty... A lot of these companies are new. There are some that have been around, like Everlane. I know that's a really Everlane? popular company. Okay. Yeah, I want to give them. I want to give them free um, promo, almost, because they're doing something yeah. good for the world. Well, and a lot of... A lot of um, celebrities have been wearing their clothes and, and I noticed, I mean, but they're just one of them and, and they've been able to sort of tap into this younger celebrity generation that wants to, you know, do better and, and to show, um, you know, the fans a different way. There's one company that I love. It's called Ten Tree. And so for every item purchased, they plant 10 trees. To date, they've planted 25 million trees with the goal of planting one billion by 2030. So it's amazing. I mean, and the good thing about the book is that I provide the problem and I connect the dots for people, but I also provide the solution. And I say, listen, there are these amazing companies out there that have made it part of their mission to do good in this world, both environmentally and when it comes to social justice. What we can do as consumers is help these companies grow so they can actually take over instead of some of these big box realtors. One of the things I was thinking about when you were mentioning that company company have you heard of omni 
or O M N I. It was like all made piece. Yeah, it was. A, I have. It was um. They were a clothing brand, I think, in the early two thousands, and their goal was to end poverty in Africa by twenty twenty five. Now, okay, to be fair to them, this was like two thousand six, so that mm-hmm. sounded very realistic. Um, mm-hmm. I I think where we're shifting to now. The company you said, like planting trees, seems way more on point with what's going on today, and hopefully, what will continue going on in the future. I mean, knock on wood, that nothing yeah, else. Absolutely. <laughs> that nothing else crazy happens. Uh, I want to talk about something that you mentioned in the book that I found interesting was talking about modern-day slavery today, you said there's actually more slaves today than there are, than there were uh, back in the early days. Yeah, exactly. And this is something that is a, it's, it's pretty well-known, the Vatican, actually. I think it was back in 2006 when the Vatican came forward and um, they did this whole statement on the issue of modern-day slavery and how it's really taken over. And part of the reason why it's, proliferated so much is because it's so underground, because people don't know that it's happening. And so um, part of the, you know, when that came out in 2006, it was a big media, it was a big media blitz that the Vatican was coming forward and saying that, you know, as consumers, we are supporting modern day slavery. And so what that did is it kind of created this ripple effect for other social justice conscious people to start looking into it. And in the book, I, you know, I, the very first chapter is about the hidden side of chocolate. And people always comment to me about how they're shocked when they read that first chapter because most people have no idea the connection of chocolate to child slavery and child trafficking. Mm. And so really the first, the Red Movement, my first goal with the Red Movement is really to make these issues more widespread, more known. And then my second goal is to, is to take that knowledge and to, and to use it in a way that not only empowers consumers, but empowers people across the world. Because, you know, when we, when we start shopping consciously, that's when you start seeing a ripple effect. And you've seen this with the organic movement. You know, now people really care oh, about what goodness. they put into their bodies. And so my, my long-term goal with this movement is that this will become what the organic movement is in the, in the sense that people are going to care when they go to buy something. They're going to care, like, how was it made? Was it made in an ethical way? Um, was the environment, you know, was there a carbon footprint? I mean, are these things actually helping make these problems better or worse? Yes, I had a woman on here. No, actually, two people on here. One, he used to work for the FDA. And he was talking about organic. We were discussing, is it really worth the price? What's actually in it? Yes, organic has taken over. Avocados have taken over. Mm -hmm. I am a millennial, but I am just still trying to catch up with the latest trend. This trend, though, the thing that you're doing with the red movement, I can definitely catch up with. One of the things that I also thought were interesting was... You said that certain events, like the Super Bowl or the Olympics, it causes spikes in slavery, like an increase. Why is that? Yes. So um, the Super Bowl, the World Trafficking, and the Olympics. I have three different. I have three chapters that cover all three of these, and it's really fascinating when you look into it because it's again, it's been something that's been very hidden. But anytime there's a World Cup, mm-hmm. um, there's always a 
spike in kidnappings. There's a spike in exploitation of women and children. And most people have no idea. I know. And when I started doing this research, when I started actually uncovering this, I was shocked. I mean, I was shocked. And I was in this field. And I was, you know, reading about this every day. Um, But, you know, when you look at, like, Chapter 9 of my book, The World Cup and Modern Day Slavery. Um, In the year before 2014 World Cup Games in Brazil, girls from the poorest areas of the country began to disappear. Some ran away while many were kidnapped right off the street. Um, Some of these girls were as young as 10. Their disappearance became national news in Brazil, and at one point was such a problem that the police claimed to have lost count of the number of girls who went missing. And so the anti-trafficking and nonprofit communities um, got involved, and they linked the mass disappearance to the upcoming World Cup Games. And the Vatican, again, even spearheaded a campaign against human trafficking at the World Cup. But this is something that we're seeing over and over again. Um, Anytime there's a World Cup, there are women who are kidnapped, and they're used um, as, as sex slaves for the individuals who are building, you know, the infrastructure for the World Cup. But it's not just the World Cup, it's also the Olympics. It's also, you see spikes in this with the Super Bowl. And it's something that, I know for the Super Bowl, it's gotten some attention. Um, But in terms of the World Cup and Olympics, there's still a lot that isn't known. And that's why I devoted a whole chapter to each event, because I wanted people to see that all of these things are connected. And that when we go and we support these events, that's great. I mean, that's wonderful. People love the World Cup. People love the Olympics. But these organizations have responsibility to make sure that this type of exploitation isn't happening, and they need to be involved. And I really talk about that in the book and, and the things that they need to do to make sure that these issues move forward in a way that's constructive and not destructive. When you said spikes from the Super Bowl, there should be spikes in, like, Tostito pur- purchases. Um, hot dog purchases. There should not be spikes in slavery. Don't touch.